You're listening to the Tamar Yuna Show here at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. As we are speaking, I believe this is the 79th day of the war uh, with Gaza. And uh, we have a lot to talk about on this show. And our our, uh, topics that we'll be speaking about is Wither the West, Two Big Challenges for the United States of America, The Giant Octopus, Danger Symbols to Watch in the Near Future, and USA to Israel. But first, we're going to go to local news here in Israel about the war. Our co-host today is Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He is a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University. He's authored over 90 books and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. And he commentates on Mideast and world issues. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. All right. So uh, I was just want to tell all of our listeners, I was speaking to a soldier over the weekend, and this soldier is a brave, motivated young man. And he was telling me about the low morale in some of the soldiers who are fighting, especially in the hottest spots. We're talking about places uh, like Khan Yunus and Jabalia and uh, Sajaiya. And uh, th- this is, these are some places where heavy, heavy fighting and ba- uh, gunfire battles have taken place. And he was saying that we are so motivated. We want to destroy this terrorist entity, but the government, they believe, is not running this war correctly. In that, well, maybe I'll, no, okay, I'm going to start out with what he said, and then I'm going to read you some news here that will back up what he's saying. He is saying that the soldiers can't understand how our leadership is giving in to international pressure and supplying the enemy, Nazi, Hamas, ISIS, with food and water and fuel He says, how are we doing this to our enemies? And in the meantime, we're getting killed every single day. You see more soldiers. Just this morning, I have to say, eight more soldiers. Eight more soldiers. Beautiful young men killed defending the land and the people of Israel. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. My... my, uh, source was saying that if Israel would just stop this ridiculous behavior of giving into the international community's demands for humanitarian aid for this, uh, for the Hamas and the Gazans there, he said in 30 days they'd be so hungry that the Gazans themselves would go inside the tunnels and wring the necks of the Hamas and deliver the hostages to us. But instead, we keep feeding them. We keep allowing food to go in. We keep allowing fuel to go in. The fuel, by the way, also lets them keep the air going through the tunnels, powers their air filtration system in the tunnels. Instead of where we want them to come out of the tunnels so we can reach them, because we're not going in there if we don't have to, then then we're just keeping this going. And they believe that the leadership is making huge mistakes here. Now I want to go to Arut Sheva, IsraelNationalNews.com. I'm going to read you from an article here. Um, it says here that, Nata- you know what? I'm going to go to a different article first, okay? Uh, or just a headline. Staff Sergeant Roy Elias was killed in action in southern Gaza. This happened just last week. Elias was 21 years old. He was killed by an anti-tank missile in the Khan Yunus region of Gaza. He is the 154th, in my view, unnecessary casualty since the ground offensive began. And then again this morning, another eight soldiers killed. This is just from when we engaged in Gaza. This is not talking about all the soldiers that were killed beforehand on October 7th that were defending the kibbutzim, defending the people, fighting back against the the terrorists. Now, Going to that, I'm going to go to this other article. It says Netanyahu is saying 
the United States is not dictating how Israel should pro- uh, prosecute the war. The prime minister says Israel's operational decisions are based on its own considerations as a sovereign nation. As a sovereign nation, he says. Not external pressure. I'm going to tell you right now. Do you want to know if Israelis believe him? Go look at the comments on this article. Let me just read through this article here. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu addressed the fall of eight IDF soldiers in battle in Gaza during the start of the government meeting in the headquarters in Tel Aviv today on Sunday. And we're talking the 24th of uh, December. This is a difficult morning, Netanyahu said. After a difficult day of fighting in Gaza, on behalf of all members of the government of the entire state of Israel, I would like to send condolences to the families of our heroic soldiers who have fallen in the war over our home. Our hearts are with the families. Our hearts go out for the young lives that were cut short in their prime. We all send best wishes for a quick recovery to our wounded. The war is exacting a very heavy cost. It doesn't have to, folks. From, uh, from us, um, however, we have no choice but to continue to fight. Netanyahu began. I agree. We need to continue to fight, but we have to fight smart. He continues and says, first of all, and all these things of, you know, our hearts with the families, platitudes, platitudes, platitudes. I'm sorry. I'm a mother of two men also that are fighting in Gaza in these hot spots that I mentioned, and I do not accept this, but that's just me, and that's just my opinion. He says here, as of today, our forces have eliminated many thousands of terrorists. This is true. We are continuing with full force until the end, until victory, until we achieve all of our goals, and then it's, what are the goals? The destruction of Hamas the return of our hostages, and ensuring that Gaza will never again constitute a threat to the state of Israel. And then he continues and he says, last night I spoke again with President Biden. Should be U.S. President Biden. I appreciate the steadfast U.S. position which supports our war effort in the U.N. Security Council. I told President Biden yesterday that we will fight until absolute victory however long that takes. The U.S. understands this, he said. He dismissed reports that the Biden administration has been handicapping Israel's efforts to uh, prosecute the war. Quote, I've seen erroneous reports to the effect that the United States prevented and is preventing us from operational actions in the region. This is incorrect. And I'm going to interrupt here and say, this is not true. Because we already know that the United States government under Joe Biden has told Israel that we can't open up another front. We can't go in and and do what we need to do against uh, the enemies in Lebanon, the Hezbollah, who are bombing our communities in the northern part of Israel, where we've had with the north and the south around 130,000 people here in Israel, have fled their homes. They cannot remain in their homes because of the danger of the constant bombing. So we have been prevented from taking care of that problem. Uh, And that is under the, the U.S. And we also know that the U.S. and the international community, sadly, is telling Israel that we have to give humanitarian aid to the enemy, to the terrorists. Can you believe it? It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. So this is not, this is not reality. Let's put it that way. He says here, he dismissed reports that the Biden administration has been handicapping Israel's efforts. I've seen erroneous reports, he says, to the effect that the, that the U.S. is uh, preventing us from operational actions in the region. This is incorrect. He says, Israel is a sovereign state. Yes, we are, and I hope that he really understands that. Our decisions in the war are based on our operational considerations, and I will, ex- I will not expand further. Well, I can see that part of that is true in that it's our decision. Why? Because we're afraid of the international community and the United States under Biden and what they're going to say, what they're going to do. They might stop. They might threaten not uh, uh, giving us um, uh, military support. They might threaten all sorts of things, even, I mean, dastardly things. By the way, I want to say here, that those who support Israel, the Bible says this, those who 
who who support Israel and bless Israel will be blessed. So it'll be good for America, good for any nation that supports Israel and helps and helps to fight this evil. And those that curse Israel will be cursed. Let me finish this article. They are not dictated by external pressure, meaning the the leadership. The decision on how to use our forces is an independent decision of the IDF and nobody else. So I want to state here that if, if we take the prime minister at his word and he says that this is all our decision, then it's even worse than being afraid of the international community. And that's why we're doing it. Because this, if we're making these, these decisions without the pressure and the threats of the inter- international community and what they might do to us or what they might... Uh, not do to help in this war effort, et cetera, et cetera, then, then we are really being led by inferior leadership. That's what I want to say. Israel needs to do the right and moral thing, and that is to end this war as soon as possible. For everybody's sake, for the people in Gaza as well. The sooner this war is over, the sooner there'll be peace, the sooner there'll be lives saved, the sooner people can go home and try to get back to their normal lives. But you keep this going and going, this, this becomes a very terrible, unjust thing. And by us feeding and supplying our enemies, these terrorists, these evil monsters with food and water and fuel to keep on going another day. I, I have no words. I'm profoundly disappointed. And I'm going to ask all of you listening that after this, this news report that I'm giving you, that we make something good from it and that we honestly, truly take time out of our day to pray that God gives wisdom and courage to our leadership to do the right thing, no matter what pressures they're facing. And they are facing pressures. I'm not going to lie. They are facing tremendous pressures. But we have to pray that as, as much as they are afraid of the nations, that they're even more afraid of God. And that we listen to God and what he says and do the right thing. So I'm asking all of you just to take a moment and pray for the for our leadership to receive the wisdom and the courage to do the right thing. Okay, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, I want to invite you to come on. You can react and uh, we can go to your other news stories. Where would you like to start? Well, let me just react to what you said. Um, first of all, I don't disagree with anything that you said. Let me, let me be clear on that. Um, but what I would say is that we do to take into account what the nations say. It's unfortunate, but it's... Did I lose you, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem? Okay, Can I think I'm... Hear me? Uh, I hear you now. Okay. All right. We have, uh, 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 we have a caller, and then I want you to... I'll give you all the time to answer everything that you want to say, because she also wants to weigh in on the, on the issue. We have Nancy calling us from the uh, occupied territories of Kansas. <laughs> Hi there, Nancy. What is your comment or question for us here at Israel News Talk Radio? Uh, good morning, Tamara, and to all on your show. I'm sorry to call in before more to high talks. Thank you for everything you do on News Talk Radio. It, it helps so much to all of us who want to learn and know. I just wanted to say that I agree with what you said. And I've been it's been coming to my mind that everybody understands that this is a holy war. And if it is a holy war, it has to be fought as a holy war. And I've been praying that the government, Netanyahu, will combine with the rabbis who know the halakha of war. This could be ended very quickly and done as God wants it to be done. But the two have got to come together. And I just pray that all the listeners will start praying that the rabbis will speak up and they will come as a group, those who can see, and will meet with the government and get this going as God wants it to be done. Amen. Thank you. 
Nancy, that was beautiful. Thank you very much for your prayers. God bless you. And, uh, and, you and well put, well put. This is a holy war in a sense, uh, but for good against Thank evil. You, Thank you, Nancy. Be well. Yes. Amen. Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, how would you like to, or let, let me just ask you where you'd like to start. Do we have you on, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem? Okay, I don't hear you. Let's see if we can, let me check to see if we need to. This is live. Uh, we are live if you're listening on Sunday afternoon. And we're trying to get Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem back on. Are you with me? Do you hear me? Oh, now I hear you. Okay, great. Go ahead. We hear you now. No, no, we don't hear you again. We don't hear you. Okay, I can see you, but I don't hear you. Maybe check a wire, a connection. And no, uh, now I hear you. Okay, we hear you now. Go ahead. No, we lost you again. I see you, but I don't hear you. Maybe take off your camera. Take off your video camera. There should be... And talk now. Let's see. Can you hear me now? Yes, now I hear you. So keep talking. Go ahead. Okay, that's crazy. Anyway... Um, I, I want to say that I, 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 I basically I agree with everything that you said and with everything that Nancy said. However, I also think. Okay, I think we, I mean, we we know, for instance, that countries like Belgium are one of the worst human rights le- records in the history of the world. They always talk against us because they hate. That's all they do. They live by hate. But most countries, like for instance, the United States are reasonable countries. We need to listen to them. We can't do everything they want us to do, but we do need to listen. We also need to be sovereign and independent. We need to strike a balance. It's very difficult to do that. I will remind the listeners that I fought in Gaza for an entire year 53 years ago. So I know a little bit about Gaza. Okay. You want to say- you well, I, I mean, you know, listen, we can listen to what they have to say. I'm, I don't say that we, we cut off relations. I'm just saying that we need to act like a sovereign state. We need to act like a Jewish state. And I want to say that the West uh, puts on, or I should say the world, puts rules on us when we fight a war. But when they fight their wars, there's no rules. They do what they want. Correct. They You're do what they want. Correct. So we have to do what is best for our people and say, thank you very much. We've heard what you had to say. And now we are going to have to do what we uh, think is the best thing in order to end this war as quickly as possible for the benefit of everybody. That's what we need to do. Again, we, we agree on the basic principle. What I'm saying is that we need to listen carefully and strike a balance. That's extremely difficult to do that. Yes, war is difficult. Yeah, let me, let me just give you a very quick example. Okay. okay. And then we have another when caller when Gaza, whenever you're ready. Okay. When I was in Gaza, we more than once... Oh, I lost you again. Okay. All right. I've lost, I've lost Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Are you there with us? Yes, I'm here. I okay. Hear All right. So we, we didn't hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, we, we, we had problems, for instance, at the time with the International Red Cross. They, they were smuggling weapons, they were smuggling drugs, they were smuggling funds to the, to the terrorists, and there was nothing we could do because they had diplomatic standing. There was absolutely nothing that we could do with them. We couldn't arrest them, we couldn't expel them, we could do nothing. The International Committee of the Red Cross are terrorists, or at least they acted as terrorists when they were in Gaza. And they're acting as terrorists now uh, um, because they're, they're shirking their responsibility towards the towards the hostages and they're being sued now by the by the uh, uh, by the lawfare uh, institutes of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, what's her name uh, um, Nitan Leitner but this is what this is what we need to we need to deal with this we can't just ignore it it doesn't work okay let's go to a caller we have joining us Antonio from the United States hi there Antonio what's your comment or question for us here at this talk radio Shalom. Um, 
first we to say, is Jews' lives matter. All Jews' lives matter, period. All lives. And these countries need to understand Israel got to do what it has to do to protect themselves and safeguard. Any leader who is not going to safeguard against their country is not a leader. But Israel must lead. Because remember, in Pesach, you eat the head, not the tail. So you got you have to be the head. Think for yourself. He's you talking about the Passover holiday where you eat the yeah. head of the fish and not the tail. Okay, go ahead. Exactly. Another thing is that don't depend on mankind. Depend on Hashem. God. He is the king of the universe. And yes, you're going to make you know mistakes and stuff, but we all do. But go to Hashem. As Nancy said, and you said, supporting both of y'all, go to the rabbis, build a relationship, and lead. Because he is not going to lead you the wrong way. That's Hashem. Another thing is, Biden talks from both parts of the lips, the up or the down. And I don't know which, which, which direction he's going. Blah, 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 blah. And I don't care, because if you look at his record and look at, look at the tree, and the fruit. Twelve years, twelve years for him and Obama, and what have they done? Anything successful? Number one, look at his fruits that come off his tree. They're spoiled. They're rotten. So don't listen to him. Think for yourself. And these uh, individuals, countries, don't make rules you can't follow, period. Israel must lead Jews' lives, as many other lives, matter. You don't feed your enemy when you're in a war, period. Yep, it keeps them alive longer so they can fight more, and the war becomes longer, and everybody suffers. So very good point. Antonio, appreciate it. One more thing. My great-grandmother, blessed memory, she always said to me, and I never understood, she said, when you have an enemy, you break the other foot. If a foot is broken, break the other foot. And I always wonder why. And she said, because they're going to come back and, and fight you again another day. See, our, our grandparents had a lot of wisdom. <laughs> so it took me that long. It took me over 50-something years to, to have the knowledge of that. But she's, she's right. Thank you for That's your call, Antonio. Say. God bless you. Thank you for your support of the state of Israel, the Thank Jewish you. people. And God, thank you so much. Always. Good against evil. You support the good against evil. Thank you. All right, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, maybe we should go to some of your news topics, unless you wanted to comment further on this? No, I think we've we've pretty much covered that. Okay, so uh, how about... Sort of, uh, sort of directly connects with it as well. Okay, and you you write here, end U.S. aid to Israel. Tell us about that. Okay, I'm stressing my personal opinion here. Maybe, maybe that it's not a news item. It's my personal opinion. It, maybe somebody, somebody other than me remembers, but when Netanyahu was first elected as prime minister in 1996, in his first trip as prime minister to the United States, he said, I think it was before Congress, I'm not certain of that, he said that one of his objectives was to end U.S. aid to Israel. I think he's forgotten that, that um, plan of his. So I'm saying here, uh, 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 um, uh, I believe that we that all aid, all U.S. aid to Israel should be terminated. Um, Jacob Siegel and Liel Leibowitz, in a 17th of December article in Tablet, titled their article "America's Manipulation of the Jewish State is Endangering Israel and American Jews." I think that's an understatement. What I would say is. Ending U.S. aid to Israel must be made contingent on ending Israeli aid to the United States. As much as American arrogance hates admitting it, we give more to them than they give to us every year. Okay, you have to explain that to our listeners. Our listeners, our, you have to explain that to our listeners because they're going to be scratching their, head, scratching their heads thinking, what does Israel give to the United States? Let, let me continue. It's time to admit it by both sides. It's time that America paid for what it gets from Israel in technology, in intelligence, in, in special forces training, in police and fire training, in satellite imagery, 
and in many, many other areas. Israel gives the United States enormous quantities of technologies and other things that they don't pay for. The best fix for dopes like Merzheimer, or however you pronounce his name, is for the U.S. to pay for everything they receive from, from, the, from us and for us to pay for everything we receive from them. Full price, fair price for everything for everyone. My comment, and I think it directly relates to your comment at the beginning of the show. Okay, and I, I want to just state here that lest anyone think that we are, uh, we, ha- we hate the United States, this is not, not true. Yes, we love America. We appreciate America. I, uh, we don't care for this administration. <laughs> and I think about half of America doesn't either. Uh, so we would kind of like be, you know, more in, in, in their uh, school of thought. But uh, we want you to know that we value all humanity because we're all brothers and sisters. We all stem from Noah. And from before that, we all stem from Adam and Eve, our mother and father. And ideally, we all want to get along together. And, and please, God, we want to do that. But you got to get rid of the, the bad apples. And this, these terrorists, they're bad apples. And any regime or administration that props them up and keeps them alive so they can fight another day and support ceasefires and, and demands that we give humanitarian aid to these Nazi Hamas ISIS, this is, a, this is intolerable. And, and stupid, and stupid, foolish, very, very foolish. All right, uh, let's go to your next topic. I know that you have the Wither the West. Okay, uh, what I'm going to talk about is the two, what I perceive to be the two big challenges, challenges that face the United States right now. I think the West is in big trouble. Now, I'm phrasing this, what I'm saying, in terms of the United States, but it can easily be expanded to any, any country that calls it a part of the West. As we all know, the, the, the term West is, is a complete misnomer today. Um, uh, Australia and Japan are in the Far East, but they're part of the West. So please excuse the, 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 the confusion of terminology, which is why I'm phrasing it as in terms of the United States. Um, Jews and Israel are again at the center of civilizational challenges throughout the Western, throughout the Western world. American universities are no longer centers of Jewish creativity. Um, uh, 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 Jewish ideas and Jewish leadership matters to civilization and always have, even to those that don't like us. And if somebody doesn't like us, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I don't have a problem with the fact that somebody does not like us. It's how they implement that dislike that bothers me. Okay? So what I'm trying to say is the following. The U.S., just let me start with an example. The United States right now is trying to create a so-called Red Sea coalition. Through the Red Sea, uh, uh, um, more than 12% of total world trade passes through the Red Sea. That's very significant. The effort is totally partial. Australia sent 11 soldiers, no boats. Holland sent two soldiers. Norway sent 10 soldiers. This is part of the so-called coalition of 10 countries. Utterly ridiculous. The U.S. clearly has the world's largest, most powerful military, but it's too tepid and too timid to actually use it. It's understandable. No one takes the U.S. military seriously anymore. That is a major problem, a major challenge that every American needs to be aware of. It's a horrible challenge. It happens to be a fact. The U.S. has invested phenomenal sums in refighting World War II. Newsflash, that war has been fought. The massive $20 billion aircraft carrier can be sunk with a $1 million short-to-sea missile. China has thousands of them. So does Iran. Apparently, so do the Houthis. So the Houthis actually sit there and their spokesman actually challenges and threatens openly the United States Navy. I'll remind people of history. Throughout the history of the United States, the United States has primarily been a naval power. Where is this power today? Like the 1930s battleships, these phenomenal ships, and they're utterly phenomenal in terms of their technology and their power, but they're obsolete. The whole concept of massive... uh, 
strike forces based around an aircraft carrier just doesn't work anymore. They can easily be sunk. The U.S. pays at least double the price for everything its military buys. Just the easiest example, the Tamir missile that, that's fired from the Iron Dome when manufactured in Israel, it costs $50,000. When manufactured in the United States, it costs $125,000. Why? Because Raytheon can take it. In other words, what's happening is the entire military-industrial uh, uh, complex of the United States has become totally corrupt. So increasing the military budget, and I, I highly respect the senator like, like Tom Cotton, but I heard him just the other day talking about how the, the military budget needs to be increased. I disagree. The military budget needs to be sane, not increased. It's not a question of the size of the budget. It's a question of the sanity of the budget. Let me tell you a story, a personal story. In 1997, I had a meeting with the senior vice president of AT&T, at that time, the world's largest corporation. He presented a major problem, proper accounting for software. It's a problem that, to this day, the accounting firms have not solved. I did not have a ready-made solution when he asked me, 1997. I did eventually come up with a solution and published it, in, in, and anyone can find it now, on, it's on academia.com. You can find the solution. It's an article written by myself and by a, a brilliant colleague of mine by the name of, of Ilai Gavius. She's from the um, uh, uh, business school. Uh, and um, uh, 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 her background is actually in accounting. She's an expert in accounting. That's not my area of expertise. Um, shortly after the meeting, I got a phone call from someone who identified himself as a, quote, senior manager for Arthur Anderson. Arthur Anderson was AT&T's accountant at the time. Fortunately, that firm no longer quite exists, the Arthur Anderson. He threatened to, and I'm quoting, send out a contract on me, unquote, if I pursue the contents of the meeting with AT&T. I cannot prove that this man was who he said it was. I don't know if, he, if the caller was actually from Arthur Anderson. He claims to be from Florida. I don't know if that's true, of course. I laughed at him. I told him to go to Gaza. In Israel, we don't usually say go to hell. We say go to Gaza. Well, Gaza is much worse than hell. And in October 2000, I published an article in Business Week, uh, a leading business journal in the United States, discussing their very direct involvement in the year 2000 debacle. And that shows how much credence I gave to the, to the threat. The second big challenge of the United States is related to the first. The U.S. used to be the bastion of free commerce based upon honest commerce. Today, U.S. corporate environment has become totally greed-driven and totally corrupt. Unless this issue is addressed, the U.S. corporate system cannot long survive. It is eating itself from its own greed. This devotion to greed is tightly linked to anti-Semitism. Nobody is allowed to discuss this in corporate America today. By the way, news commenters claim that the Gaza, that, that the Gaza war were it to end, the Houthis would cease their piracy in the Red Sea. I don't believe that for a moment. I think I know, have a little bit of knowledge about who the Yemenites are. Why would they stop their piracy that's been so successful till now? They can claim ransom. Why would they stop that? I think the claim is delusional. And that's basically the story of the, of the two tremendous uh, challenges that I perceive that the United States is facing in the near future. Call it, if you will, uh, 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 a comment towards 2024. Hmm. And I want to remind people that uh, supporting and sponsoring the, the Houthis in Yemen, which is below Saudi Arabia, for anyone who's not familiar with the map, that they're a proxy of Iran. When you see these things being t taken place, understand that the quiet uh, Persians in Iran are are behind uh, a lot of this. That is exactly true. Okay, so we uh, will go to next the giant octopus. Okay, 
I'm calling the, the uh, big, people might might be familiar with the, with the term, the so-called the Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood, to give a little bit of, of uh, background, was founded in Egypt in 1928. Uh, during the reign of Nasser, they spread from Egypt. They did not leave Egypt. They spread from Egypt and moved to their, uh, moved their important activities to Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Kuwait. Hamas was founded in the 1980s as their Palestinian arm. The Muslim Brotherhood was and is based upon one idea, conquering the entire world for Islam by any means, by any means possible, beginning with a reformation, suddenly the reformation of the caliphate. All the so-called extreme Sunni Islam movements are driven by and derivatives of the Muslim Brotherhood, all of them. What's more, they all suck from the same teat. Today, Qatar funds all of these movements. Yet the United States maintains an enormous base, military base in Qatar. I don't understand that. These are the same people that work constantly to undermine the United States including with Al Jazeera, which is owned by the, by the, by the Qatar monarchy. In, in 2003, Saudi Arabia stopped their funding, at least as a country. There are still some active in, individuals, mostly quietly. But we need to understand that their political basis for the Muslim Brotherhood today is Qatar and Turkey primarily, with support from Iran, Though, again, Iran is Shia and Muslim Brotherhood is Sunni, they cooperate in everything dealing with the infidels. And again, that's something that people don't understand in the West. They're, they're uh, uh, totally fascinated by this, the so-called divide between Sunni and Shia. The Sunni and Shia are divided when it comes to inter-Muslim issues, when it comes to striking out at the at the at the infidels at us at you and i they do not fight one another qatar today owns a large very large portion of major european banks of chains of clothing shops of sports clubs of politicians a true protocols of the elders of islam that's what qatar is living today the protocols of the elders of islam Note that phrase. I, I want to remind listeners, I say this over and over again, but just because you haven't been attacked, God forbid, yet, doesn't mean that you don't have enemies. Remember, these Islamists are saying, first the Saturday people, Israel, and then the Sunday people, um, uh, the, the Christian world, the West. At the, first the little Satan, Israel, and then the big Satan, America. So just because you haven't been attacked yet, and I say God forbid because I don't want you to be attacked, uh, realize that what we're facing, we're just the canary in the coal mine. So you also have skin in the game here. Maybe not at the moment, but down the line, they're going to come after you. They're, again, I want to remind you, these uh, people who are supporting uh, the Gazans, the terrorists, the Hamas, the free, free Palestine from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They're marching down your streets. They're not marching down my streets here in Israel. They're marching down your streets. So be careful. Just be careful. Keep your eyes open and uh, choose the good side. Choose the side of good. Go ahead, Mark. I, I don't really understand what you're saying tomorrow. What do you mean they haven't been attacked? You forgot well, about okay, I, I, okay, they were on 9-11, we know that. strikes against American installations just yes. since the middle of October? I stand corrected, you're right. But most people are thinking uh, not American forces that are stationed in the Middle East, but they're thinking me and I'm going shopping in the shopping mall and, and my life hasn't, doesn't seem to have been affected. Etc. Really? So that's and what do you and, and you and you think the, the a a forty percent rise in prices of of everything that's imported through the Suez Canal is not going to affect you? I don't know if they're feeling that yet. I oh, don't they know if will. They're feeling that they yet. will. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Don't just keep your eyes open, please. We want everyone to be safe and and free. 
We want you to be free and not uh, conquered by this evil entity. So, Piracy is extraordinarily expensive. People need to understand that. And when it's sponsored pir- piracy, what used to be called privateers, it's even more expensive. Remember, the, the Houthis are, are, are goatherds, literally. Houthis, what, what does the word Houthi mean? They're people from the town of Houth in the north of Yemen. For a thousand years, the Zaydis ruled Yemen. It's only in the past century that the, the, the Sunni have taken over Yemen, the, and the Zaydis are not happy with that. Zaydi, Zaydi is a part of Shia. That's what that war is all about. But the, <laughs> these are not nice people. Now, you need to understand that Qatar, while he gets his main, main, main um, uh, uh, um, uh, funds, and it's extraordinarily rich, from gas, it has the largest gas deposits in the world, um, Qatar and Iran work very, very closely together. Officially, Qatar is Sunni, not Shia, but, it's, but they work very closely together. Um, they uh, uh, fund they fund the Muslim Brotherhood and all of its branches, but they also Muslim Brotherhood also uses charity abuse. They have they have uh, uh, um, vast networks of crypto that they that they make make money from. Most of the drug trade that comes out of Latin America is in some way related to either the Sunni Muslim Brotherhood or the Shia Hezbollah. Ports abuse. Ports throughout Europe, particularly Rotterdam, where I lived for a while, are controlled today by these gangs, by criminal gangs. The networks driving American anti-Semitism are funded by Qatar, including the universities. Vast sums of many, many tens of billions of dollars have been invested by Qatar in American universities and American universities, despite the fact that it's against American law, still refuse to reveal the amounts of monies that they receive from Qatar. There's an actual law passed by the American Congress, and the universities refuse to abide by the law. Well, that depends on the context. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um Danger symbols to watch in the near future. That's okay. What... Go ahead. No, so uh, what, I, I, what I'm claiming is that we're we're extraordinarily vulnerable right now to what are called black swan events. Everybody familiar with the concept of black swan event? Black swan event is a it is an event that is um, uh, um, uh, um, highly negative, very very unexpected. So I'm claiming that I'm claiming as a prediction that within the coming three to five year period, we are going to see a the potential for a major liquidity event, including re, uh, uh, reducing market confidence con- uncontrollably. For instance, in 2008, government debt as a percentage of GDP was about 25 percent. Now government debt as a percentage of GDP stands at 125 percent. If a major event of this, nation, of this nature occurs, the ability of the government to print its way out of the event is strongly constrained by the possibility of uncontrolled inflation. We see what happened in the last three years under Biden when the Federal Reserve printed $7 trillion out of thin air. B, the U.S. has some $3 trillion in junk bonds that are already illiquid, and unsaleable. People aren't aware of this. Nobody's talking about this in mainstream media. See, in 2008, conventional financial assets fell by half. If that's repeated today, the size of the U.S. government debt to GDP, the collapse would be far worse than it was in 2008. In 2008, the Fed created $7 trillion in counterfeit financial instruments that does not appear to be repeatable without eroding credibility of the Fed. That erosion of credibility will in itself be a tremendous um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, um, 
strike against the markets to such an extent that it will be very difficult to repair that. The U.S. government debt today is growing by $2 trillion per year. And I will say that, again, I'm expressing my opinion, the biggest potential black swan event that I can think of is a rampant CBDC. Um, uh, 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 um, um, no, um, no, I lost the word in English. Tomorrow, help me here with the word. The CBDC has uh, some, doesn't it? Is, isn't that the um, the currency of on uh, the computer, basically? Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, uh, virtual uh, uh, money. Central, central <laughs> bank digital currency. Yeah, thank me. you. I, I'm forgetting my losing my mind. I'm sorry. Words too. Go ahead. Um, uh, 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 and if we all look at what happened with uh, with Canada during the uh, the, the COVID uh, uh, nonsense, when he simply stuck his hands into people's bank accounts, and as far as I'm aware, that money was never that money was confiscated and never returned to them, and totally against the law, and he did it. He could do it, and a CBDC allows that to happen legally. So and much this easier. is a major yeah. black swan event if it actually occurs. Hmm. Again, I'm phrasing everything in terms of the U.S. economy because that's convenient for me. But the European economy, the, basically the euro economy, is basically empty and getting emptier with each passing month. The Chinese economy has a strong real estate illness. It's much bigger than a bubble today. And the BRICS countries all of a disconnect from reality. The world economy is not healthy and devoid of leadership, which is the biggest thing of them all, the lack of leadership throughout the world. Every place in the, in the world today, West, East, etc., all have failed leaderships. And this is a major, major problem. Increasingly, we're witnessing in Africa, Latin America, South Asia, West Asia, calls to end Western dominance. The West, in its arrogance, continues to ignore these calls, claiming that Western uh, uh, dominance over the world is a permanent feature and cannot be reversed. Let me quote the Crown Prince of Oman, a very, very intelligent person, even if people don't want to, want to um, uh, acknowledge that readily. Oman is the country with the uh, um, um, highest quality, I would say, diplomatic records through, uh, throughout the Middle East over the last probably three or four decades. So I'm quoting. I quote, I share all of your assessments of the current situation. He was talking to, to Putin, I should say. Primarily with the need to end the current unfair world order and the dominance of the West, as well as to build a, a new fair world a fair world or order and economic relations without double standards. It's a very, very poignant statement from a person who has spent his entire, literally his entire life since he was a child in the area of um, uh, diplomacy and has been extraordinarily successful. Every um, successful diplomatic effort throughout the Middle East over the past 30 years, has been with some involvement of, of Oman. That's what they do. Oman is not a trivial country. They're not rich like Qatar, but they have enough oil to more than get along. Oman is a country to be listened to. And if he's saying to Putin, I share all of your assessments of the current situation, I would say the West needs to wake up. The danger is very, very poignant, hmm. and these are the dangerous symbols that I'm that I'm looking at for the near future. Say for the coming twenty-four, thirty-six months. Right around the corner. Oh yes. All right. Anything else you want to add for this show before we say goodbye? Uh, nothing that I can think of at the moment. Um, I, I want to thank the uh, callers that called in. I really, um, I, I, I really have to um, uh, um, 
um, restate what Nancy said. I think it was very poignant and very important that um, 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 we need to, we all need to be aware that God is involved in everything that we do, and we can't just say look over the shoulder and say, eh, you know, I'll think about him when I have time. He's there and he's watching us all the time. And uh, he's making a lot of miracles because in spite of what many believe here in Israel is our leadership making poor decisions when it comes to ending this war and rooting out the terrorists, etc., we know that the real one that's guiding everything is God. And as I can tell you as a mother of two soldiers that are fighting in Gaza, it's the only thing that keeps me from lying on the floor and writhing and pulling my hair out of my head. Because if I had to depend on the leadership of today, if I had to depend on the world, if I had to depend on the international community, I, I would just lose it. But I know that ultimately God is controlling things and that everything that God does is good we need to put our efforts in, right? If we're not putting our efforts in, then maybe things won't be so good as we're seeing with the loss of a lot of our soldiers. But we know we're going to win this war. The question is, what is the price we're going to have to pay? And the sooner we do the right thing, the sooner we end this war, the more safe everyone will be. Absolutely correct. You know, I'll even say it in, a, in, in maybe a more powerful manner. I think, uh, 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 I think you and I agree in terms of the quality or the potential that, an, that a high-quality Israeli government can have. Yet, nonetheless, I think the Israeli government today is the best government that's sitting in the world today. Which that's isn't saying sad. much when you look at the other governments of the world. You yes. look at Trudeau and Biden and at Putin and whatever. But okay, yeah. we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. I want to thank everybody for being with us here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I want to thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, for being with us and giving us all this information. Thank you. Thank you as well. Um, let's hope for better times as uh, soon as we can. Amen.